things. I used to have two cans of beer when I got home almost every night. It wasn't good, and only since stopping had I realised just how bad it was for my body and my mind. The less I drank now, the less I wanted to drink. The only major downside was that I realised some of my friends really weren't as funny as I'd thought they were. That was quite disappointing, actually. By November, I was in full swing. Although winter was setting in fast, I felt a new man. This would be the first time I didn't have to photograph any crying babies in eight years. I can't tell you how that felt. To justify my decisions even more, I didn't even have one nursery contact me saying how sorry they were we had stopped. At the end of the day, no one really gave a shit about what we were doing. It wasn't groundbreaking, and with digital cameras getting better by the month, parents were taking just as good photos at home. Three months to go before the start of the round-the-world bike race. I still had a lot more training to do. I was starting to feel the pressure, but it was time to step up my game even further. This was my new Saturday routine. It would be about 9.30pm by the time I got back to my cold and lonely flat in North London. I couldn't feel my feet. My legs felt like jelly and I had a rasping cough. I lived on the second floor and had to carry Maid Marian, my beloved bike, up about 17 stairs, which took up the very last bit of energy I had left. I had been out training for nearly 16 hours and managed to cycle from North London to Norfolk and back again. I didn't seem to have any control of my body as I fumbled with the keys to get the front door open. After an eternity and dropping my keys on the floor twice, I made it in. I checked my phone for messages. Only one. It was from my trainer, Steve. Hope the training's going well, mate. Make sure you eat properly. Steve. I knew a few of my mates were out for drinks, yet I hadn't received a message from any of them. Who could blame them, really? I had said no to so many requests over the last three months that they'd all given up. That had been the hardest thing to manage since I started training. Six months ago, I couldn't even cycle 40 miles without having to catch the train home. Today I managed 220 miles. Although a huge achievement, I wasn't overly excited. I guess I was just way too tired. Still in my dirty lycra, I turned on the shower and got straight in. The warm water helped in some way to make me feel better, but all I could think of was bed. I then remembered Steve's text. Eating properly is the last thing I felt like doing. I could barely swallow the build-up of saliva in my mouth, let alone chew on spaghetti. I'd just have to have another recovery shake instead of a proper meal. After my shower and coffee-flavoured recovery shake, I got straight into bed. I looked up at the ceiling above me. I had written in big red letters the phrase, Mileage Makes Champions, and with today's 220-mile ride, my weekly total was up to 610 miles on the road. I kept staring at the ceiling wondering if 610 miles in a week was good mileage or not. It was impressive, but I would need to do nearly double that each week going round the world if I was going to break the record. Mid-January. One month until the start. I had a few weeks left to sort out final logistics, move my life into storage, sell things that didn't fit into storage, and slowly taper my training so that I hit the start line at full fitness. Annoyingly, I had been ill for three weeks over Christmas and New Year, which meant I was a little behind schedule. I realistically had two more full weeks of hard training before my taper started. I really needed to make them count. 
the last six months had been a blur of training, being tired, wet, cold, fundraising and eating for a family of four every day. Although it had been really tough and I'd had to make many sacrifices, I felt I was doing the right thing. My parents were pretty worried about me, but at 30 years old, I was still young enough to do this and for it not to have a negative impact on the rest of my life. In fact, it could only have a positive impact, considering I was completely miserable before. I'd forever regret not at least trying to go for it. It was a lot harder for my father who lived in South Africa, because he couldn't see what it was all about. My mother lived in London so she could see the change in me and appreciate the effort I was making to follow in the footsteps, tyre tracks of my cycling heroes. I loved travel and exploration-based adventures and could easily have used my credit cards to wander around the world slowly, but that wasn't enough for me.